Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. My son-in-law, Brother Chet Rathbun, is a very brilliant young man, a great minister of the gospel. And a couple of years ago, he wrote a book, The Protocols of Ambiguity. And uh, there are some out in the foyer. They're $20, and I'm telling you, your life will be enriched. Amen. By reading that book. Amen. Uh, I am so happy to have my first beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased with me. There's a little asterisk there. Uh, We drove to Fairbanks last Tuesday. And uh, she she proceeded to get up uh, Thursday night begin the ladies conference and uh, brother Parrish and brother Donnie Ayers and I were sitting in his trophy room at his house talking about hunting of course what what else do guys talk about and brother Parrish received something on his phone and he got it and pushed the button and all of a sudden we were live at the ladies meeting And my daughter is proceeding to tell of a six-hour trip with a 74-year-old man and how she had to reach in the glove compartment and get out the Febreze and... And I'm just, whoa! So I got my phone and I texted Kim and told her, I said, tell her I'm hearing everything she says. And at that point, she says, yeah, he took his shoes off. Yeah, right. Good recovery. Amen. But I love her with all my heart. And I'm so very, very proud of her and her boys and her husband. Uh, They moved to Florida in October. And started attending Brother Rick Olson's church, a very vibrant, growing church, a great youth group, and Colby and Stewart, uh, Stewart's 15, Colby's 13, they got involved in uh, Bible quizzing. You have junior, intermediate, and senior, and Stewart should have been in seniors, but because it was his first year in Bible quizzing, he was put in the intermediates, and uh, uh, being in the home and you know, he'd come up, say, Papa, can, can I recite to you? And, and he'd start rattling off these verses. And to, to this day, to, at this point, I think he's memorized like 450 verses about the doctrine. <laughs> and at their last quizzing tournament in Uh, Tampa Bay, their team took second, and Stewart was the highest scoring quizzer of the tournament. 
Needless to say, my hat size has increased a little bit here, but amen. It is so great to be back at PPC. I have been in churches in Florida, uh, Georgia, North Carolina, Texas, and uh, they were all great churches, had great time, but there is just nothing like your home church. Nothing like your own shepherd. I said nothing like your own shepherd. And uh, we love Pastor and Sister Herring, love their family. Amen. Praise God. Well, I, I believe God has spoken to me, and uh, uh, I'd like to turn your attention today to Isaiah chapter 55. I get an amen from my daughter. <laughs> Isaiah, under the inspiration of Almighty God, writes and says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith who? The Lord. The Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and this, get this, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Pastor, how many times, you know, we say, give us the mind of the Lord. Give us the mind. And, and I know, and I think most people know what we mean when we say that. But can we really ever get the total, full mind of the Lord? Acts chapter 3 Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. Semicolon, not period. I don't have silver and gold, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked, entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him. Walking and praising God. I want to speak to you today for a few minutes on this subject, the unexpected gift. 
the unexpected gift. God bless you. You may be seated. Since the beginning of time, words were handed down from generation to generation, and we call it the oral tradition. Lessons, everything was just handed down by word of mouth. Okay? Did you ever play that game? You get people in a circle, and you can only say it one time. You whisper it into the ear of the person next to you, and then they whisper it to the next next. And when it gets around to the last person, they attempt to tell you what the first person said, and most of the time, it's not even close. So with this passing of oral tradition, you know, somebody might forget something, or something, somebody might think, well, you know, I need to add a little to that, embellish it a little, you know. But then we came to when men started to put words on paper, papyrus, and to write it down. How long would it take one of those Hebrew scribes to copy the entire law? Mr. Gutenberg wasn't living then. No penny printing press, so it was all handwritten. And throughout Scripture, especially the New Testament, we find mere mortal men trying to put forth the inspired Word of God. Trying to make human language to express, to, to make clear the adequate thoughts of God. Now a God who has told us, my thoughts are so far above your thoughts, as high as the heavens are above the earth, okay, those are words that m maybe we can comprehend as far as, you know, the heavens are above the earth. I think we have more comprehension of that in our day than they did thousands of years ago. The telescopes that probe millions and millions of miles out into space. And so God's thoughts are higher than that. And, you know, the most powerful telescope, as far as you can probe... There's still more beyond that. <laughs> when we read 1 Corinthians 2.9, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Immediately our human finite minds try to picture that. And we try to get a hold of that and comprehend that. But, but can we? Can we see and can we know all that God has in his thoughts for us? I don't think it takes very long to come to the realization. I don't think so. What are God's thoughts towards us? Notice Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord... Get it now, thoughts of peace and not of evil, amen, to give you an expected end. 
That's the inspired word of God as to his thoughts towards us. And so many times the enemy of our soul, because of our carnal nature, tries to convince us that God's thoughts towards us are anything but good, but his thoughts towards us are bad thoughts and evil thoughts. Why? Because we fail, we fall short in doing what we should do. Let me tell you today, friend, please hear me today. Amen. I tell you according to not some man's philosophy, but the very word of God, that God loves you. I said God loves you. But you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did this week. Uh, I don't care. God knows all about it. Amen. Things that nobody else knows, God knows. But he says, I still love you. Realize God's love is a love that is not based upon performance. I do things when I was a kid, to, and I know they disappointed my mom and dad, and I probably think, man, they don't love me anymore. Amen. But my parents assured me over and over, hey, our love isn't dependent upon, you know, what you do and how you perform. And if their love wasn't, how much more the love of God? Then I think of the Apostle John's words in Revelation. As he describes, or he tries to describe in words for us to understand and picture in our minds what heaven's going to be like. But again... He's trying to describe something beyond our imaginations. That place that he's gone to prepare for us. Amen. Hallelujah. It could never, never be described in our human vocabulary. Another one of those rapturous passages in which Paul tries to make human language express the adequate thoughts of God when he says... Ephesians 3.20. Brother Joe, I thought you were going to preach my message, buddy. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We try to get our human minds wrapped around that, and, and I think we, you know, come to a conclusion of what it thinks, of what it means. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, friend, it means far, far, far more than what you'll ever come to understand. Again, in these words, he is saying, and he marks in one aspect, the distance between the finite and the infinite tries to show how far the bounty of the infinite God outruns the desires of those that receive his gifts. And the whole revelation of God is dealing with mankind is a continual illustration of this truth. For instance, who's known as the father of the faithful? Abraham. 
What was his name before God changed it to Abraham? Abram. And where was he from? Ur of the Chaldees. They worshipped one God? No. Many, many, many gods. Now, get this. <laughs> Could it have entered into the mind of Abram? To go to this God that he didn't understand or know anything about and say, make me the father of many nations. <laughs> I want to become the father of the faithful in all ages, in all countries. I want to be the head of God's elect chosen people. Amen. I want to have my life, my words, my deeds handed down for thousands of years to the year of 2019. Do you think those thoughts could have entered into his mind? No way, Jose. A nation of slaves for over 400 years. And one day, one of them says to his buddy, said, hey, come on, let's go see Pharaoh. The greatest king, the mightiest nation in the world. And they come waltzing into his court and look at him and say, hey, we want to get out of here. We're tired of the whips and we're tired of the conditions and, and uh, we want you to let us go. Not only let us go, you know, we're going to be led. <laughs> we're going to be led through the Red Sea. It's going to open up, you know, a wall of water on each side. Little boy came home from Sunday school and his dad didn't go. He said, well, son, what, what was your lesson about today? He said, well, it was about a guy named Moses. What'd he do? And he started telling him. He says, yeah, they got down to the Red Sea, Dad. And he said they called the Army Corps of Engineering in. And they started making these floats and these rafts and started stretching them across. And he's going on and on. Finally, his dad says, son, did it really happen that way? He said, no, Dad, but if I told you the real way, you wouldn't believe me. Yeah, it's going to enter into these slaves' mind that while we're out there in the wilderness, we're going to be fed with bread, manna from heaven. God's going to lead us to a particular mountain, and there he's going to give us his very holy law, telling us how to live and what to do. And, and then he's going to put us in a land, the promised land, the land of Canaan. <laughs> no way they would ever ever have thought that or even better than that could it have by any means entered into the thoughts of a rebellious and fallen world one day for them to realize their condition and go to a God and say hey God you need to come and you need to become incarnate and robe yourself in flesh and you need to do a bunch of miracles and teach us a lot of lessons. And then you need to go to the cross and shed your blood for our sins. His thoughts are so far above our thoughts. And so our text today gives us another instance of the exceeding grace of God. We have a poor, crippled, lame man. The Bible says lame from his mother's womb, who for more than 40 years 
40 years lived in hopeless and helpless infirmity. Pastor, I, I make a confession. How many times have we read this scripture? But every time I've read it, I've only pictured an adult, lame man. I've never really pictured a young boy lying on the side of a field or looking out from his bedroom window watching his companions and peers jumping and running and frolicking and rolling in the grass and in all the freeness of joyous spirits, supple, stretching arms and legs. While well, he's confined to a cot, like a bird confined in a cage, like an animal chained to a stake only to run as far as a chain and let him go. I never pictured that. I never pictured him in early manhood while uh, others went forth to their labor and their jobs, earning their daily bread by honorable industry, industry, and he's reduced to the life of an invalid living in constrained inactivity, depending upon the generosity of others. And every day, carried by some kind people, laid at one of the gates called beautiful, in the hopes that those who passed by to and fro would look with pity upon his misery and minister to his meager needs. And what a great and sad contrast. We have this large, strong, beautiful gate constructed by the most skillful of workmen intending to add beauty and attractiveness to the magnificent temple which had become an object of keen universal admiration and yet laid at the foot of the gate beautiful. A poor ill-clad, deformed, helpless beggar. Again, totally, 100% dependent upon a miserable existence by asking pity of all who pass through a gate called beautiful. How many hours a day did he lay there? Four, six, eight? I don't know, but I do know this. They had to be sad, dreary hours. Hours of expectancy, but usually in sad disappointment. All day long, for hours, he would watch the countenances of those passing by. Overlooked by some. Some would say, hey, have you seen that beggar at the beautiful gate? What beggar? Didn't even notice him. Turned away with a sneer, with proud contempt by others. Sharply refused by the pious, well-dressed Sadducees. Maybe an occasional mitre farthing from the miserly Pharisees. But doubtful on a daily basis that he would take home enough to supply his daily needs. Not a pretty picture. If you'd have tried to tell this young man or this man, middle-aged man, 
You know, God, God has you on his heart and his thoughts. <laughs> you have got to be kidding. But on this particular occasion, never dreaming that this day was going to be any different from any other day. Never dreaming that God did have particular thoughts toward him this day or any, any day. He sees two men about to go into the temple. Perhaps their demeanor, their aspect awakened hope that there were kind, loving hearts beneath their humble garb. Whatever, I think we can be assured his utmost hopes didn't go beyond just receiving a couple of coins. But when in answer to the words from the lips of Peter, look on us. I wonder how many times Peter and John had passed him by. I don't think it was the first time. But on this particular day, Peter suddenly stopped and said, look on us. And suddenly there's expectancy in his eyes. His eyes begin to light up. And, and, and he holds up his cup. But for the most part, his thinking is, maybe I'll get a few more coins today than I did yesterday. But it's very soon his expectancy is shattered when he hears the word, silver and gold have I none. The outstretched arm and hand begins to droop along with his countenance. But oh, the next words perked his attention once again. I don't have silver and gold. I don't have houses. I don't have lands. I don't have a big bank account. But I do have something. And such as I have, give I thee. Oh, can I pause a moment and tell you in this, this lame, lame world that's laid at the, 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 the gates of beautiful things. Uh, amen. And we don't have everything they desire. But thank God we've got something. And such as I have, I want to share it with you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Peter takes the drooping hand and lifts him up. And I like the seventh verse. Uh, and immediately, and immediately, not after six weeks of therapy, uh, not after going to the doctors, uh, but immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. And I'm telling you in an instant, uh, I said in an instant, uh, his life was changed. This day that he thought was going to be like any other day of his life had no idea when he went home this day nobody would be carrying him. This day changed his life for the rest of his life. In an instant, he's made whole. No longer a cripple. No longer chained to his bed. No longer a prisoner of fate. He springs to his feet. And for the first time in his life, he walks. 
Amen. Remember, Brother and Sister Carlson, a few months down the road, that little one that you have to carry everywhere, uh, that little one will be staggering, you know, and holding on to things as they, wow, the water was turned into Dr. Pepper. As they learn to walk. And here's this 40-year-old man, Brother Joe. Amen. He suddenly is on his feet. He suddenly feels something in his ankles and his legs that he's never felt in his life. And I think, I think at first, Pastor, it was just, you know, like a little child. Amen, you know. But then when he got the hang of it, friends, it 10 day long. He was dancing. He was running. Hallelujah. Hey, settle down. There's no need to get so excited. Yeah, forget it. I was brought here a cripple, and now I can walk. I don't care what you think. I am going to praise my Lord. And he enters into the holy courts where he had never been before. Amen. He went past the gate beautiful and entered into an experience that he had never, never dreamt about before. And so here is an instance of God doing unto a man exceeding abundantly above all that he could ask or think. <laughs> Here we have a type of the exceeding riches of God's grace resulting in unlooked-for mercies to the children of men. Please take note of what I say now. Nothing more elevates the tone of man's experienced religion than a worthy conception of God's goodness. Amen. I said nothing elevates the tone of man's religion than a worthy conception. What is your conception of God's goodness today? Hallelujah. It stimulates your life. It kindles your adoration. It raises your hopes. It intensifies all your spiritual emotions. Here's Jesus and his disciples. What was the pool where the lame man was laying? Bethesda? Here was this area, and there was a pool, and there were balconies, porches, and laying all around this area were people that had infirmities. And what they were there for was, the Bible said, and I, I don't understand it all. Maybe pastor can explain it to you one day. Uh, but at a certain season, an, an angel of the Lord had come down and troubled the waters. They were usually just placid and flat. But this angel would come down, and suddenly there were waves and troubling of the water. And the first person 
that was able to get in the water was made whole. Just one, right? Just one. The first one. I mean, when those waters started being troubled, there was a mass stampede. Lame men were rolling and, you know, they, they were doing everything they could. And so Jesus walks by. How long was he there? 38 years. Are you 38? No. 38 years. Now, in the whole scheme of things, I know that may not sound like a long time, but somebody back there is 38. And again, somebody would bring him. And he'd say, oh, put me way back here in the back. No. He'd say, hey, if at all possible, get me as close to those waters as you can get me. Maybe there were years that, you know, he was in the balconies. <laughs> but 38 years. Slowly but surely, maybe he gets brought Brother Brad a, a little closer. I didn't make it this year. Now, there's something to be said here, Pastor. Man, I've been coming 30 years, and for, you look at, you know, I'm sick and tired. I'm not coming next year. No. He kept coming. Kept coming. Kept coming. Amen. Well, I didn't get what I needed at church today. I'm just going to quit. How bad do you want it? You want to go your life spiritually having to be carried everywhere you go? But one day, like any other day, he thought, more than likely, I'm going to be taken home like I have for 38 years. But I'll be back. And all of a sudden, a shadow falls across him, and he looks up through the light. And man standing there. This man said, well, would you be made whole? Maybe he thought, what a silly question. Uh, why do you think I'm here? But after 38 years, he still had a pretty good attitude, Brother Clint. He wasn't a smart aleck, and he wasn't, you know, no. He said, well, yeah, but I have nobody. I don't have anybody here, no man, that when the water's troubled to, to get me down there. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to leave healed, but I don't have anybody. Yeah, somebody. There have been a couple times I thought it was so close, and I flopped into the water only to realize somebody got there a couple seconds before me. And what did Jesus say to him?
You know what? You don't need the water today. The man, the God robed in flesh that created the waters. <laughs> He's standing right here. Why don't you just get up and start walking? Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I got to get in the water. Forget it, friends. Just do. Amen. What God's telling you, just get up. Just get up. Today is not like every other day. Even though everything's saying, yeah, it's going to be just like last Sunday. It's going to be like last month Sunday. Amen. Amen. But no, no. Today, he had chosen to make it a very special day. Hallelujah. I'm talking to somebody today. God has come today, amen, to tell you, you don't have to walk out of here like you came. Hallelujah. Today can be your very special day. Amen. You be seated. No need to get overly excited. <laughs> Say, well, nice stories, preacher. You know, stories that happened over 2,000 years ago. <laughs> but, hey, here we are at Palmer Pentecostal Church. And as far as I know, everybody came in on their own accord. Nobody had to bring you in. Amen. God spoke to my heart. Amen. If you don't like it, take it up with him. He's my, he's my boss, okay? Amen. And though people come in, Pastor, looking nice and walking, everything looks good. But really, Sister Carlson, in all reality... Amen. Spiritually, you have been carried in here today. Amen. And if Pastor hadn't said a few months ago, hey, we're, we're going to change our seating arrangements. Uh, Brother Jim, you'd, you'd be sitting over here. And, you know, some of you, you'd be sitting over here, you know. Uh, we come and go to our usual spot. I think it's real good what he did. <laughs> you know, we, we, we get in this custom, you know. That's my chair. And if you walk in, now if a stranger's there, you might, you know, but if somebody that comes regularly and they're sitting in your chair, hey, what's the deal, man? That's my chair. How, who just said that? I don't see anybody's names on these chairs. Amen. That's just backing up what Pastor said, okay? But spiritually, there's a lot of people that are brought in. Cripples. Spiritual cripples. And they sit in the presence of God. Brother Trace. Amen. They sit in the presence of Almighty God. The God that spoke worlds into existence. The God that said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. What I did for these two lame men, don't you think that I can step in, amen, this last 
Is it the last Sunday of May? Yeah. This last Sunday of Don't you think I can step in and you're thinking this Sunday is going to be like the 21st. This Sunday is going to be like the 14th. This Sunday is going to be like last month. This Sunday is going to be like any other Sunday. Oh, I'm here to tell you, hallelujah, you can leave here a changed person, a new person in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can all stand. What do you think? Maybe four men had brought him there that day. What do you think they thought when they come back and he's not there? Did somebody else, did, did he get sick or something and have to send for somebody else to get him? What happened? Amen. And it'd be kind of, you know, stretching it to think that they didn't hear about it. But even if they didn't hear about it, the next morning they show up at his house. Amen. Knock on the door. And mama doesn't answer the door. He answers the door. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I had an encounter. Amen. I had an encounter. With Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Do you want an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord? Anybody here? You want a new, fresh encounter? Come on. Come on. 